0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Destination CPA, an original podcast series produced by the Texas Society of CPAs. I'm Jodianne Ray, President and CEO of TXCPA, and I am pleased to serve as your Destination CPA host this morning. I'm really excited to welcome Katie Brown, CPA, CFF, and good morning, Katie. Good morning, Ann. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to launch this series, and I'm really thrilled to have you
1: as our first guest. Joanne, I am ecstatic to be here. And if you're a student who has found us, you are in the right place.
0: Awesome. We're going to find all those students and candidates and hopefully impart some great information and knowledge to help them along their journey. Before we go ahead and get started today, let's just set the stage for everybody. It's been a super cold week in Texas. I'm in Dallas. You are in Fort Worth. Yes, I am. But one of the things, Katie, that I'm really excited about is telling everybody a little bit about your background. And so you've been licensed for a couple of years. You've been licensed since 2020. But one of the things that you've been really active in and sharing is your perspective in your journey through your accounting education, through your CPA licensure, and where you are now. So what really got you super excited about wanting to share?
1: That's a great question. I found my voice back in 2022, and I had a really hard time passing the CPA exam. And I also worked at a really small firm right out of college and was the only one studying and trying to pass. And I just remember feeling so plagued by really perfectionism, which I think we can all relate to. And after I failed the first time I sat, I really did not know how to pick myself back up. I remember seeing the disappointment in my mentors when I was so excited to share that I was sitting for the first time And then, of course, they asked how it went, and I had to tell them I failed. And I just really remember that experience. And in 2022, I decided real life is talking about not just your success, but also your failures. And when you reframe failure as the path that got you to success, it doesn't feel so much like a failure anymore. And so I started posting on LinkedIn about my experiences and got a lot of feedback and found out I wasn't the only one who felt this way. And that sense of community has pushed me forward to now talk to students constantly about this process and where they're at. And it's been a very rewarding journey for me.
0: Amazing. So we're gonna continue some of that today. And thank you for being so open and vulnerable and willing to share. Because your passion for the profession really comes through. And so we want to be able to share that with everybody. There's so many opportunities available in accounting and so many things that people can do and they can find an amazing fit and develop an amazing career and lifestyle for themselves. But we want to make sure that everybody who has an interest has that support, has those stories Let's go back for just a second and tell everybody a little bit about what your journey was. Tell us where you went to school and a little bit of that background.
1: Yeah. So I went to the University of North Texas, and I got my bachelor's and my master's there. And as a sophomore, I found accounting. And it was actually my third choice of major. I didn't start here. In fact, I knew what it was because my mother is a CPA. And I was just not interested in industry, which is where she works. And I thought at the time that was the only thing you could do with a CPA. So I started in another major and then took another turn and then took another turn and ended up in accounting just because it really fit my personality. And I also wanted a job that I could be treated like a professional. That was really important to me and that to me made the cost of education worthwhile. So I was looking on the UNT Eagle job board and I found a posting for a forensic intern and I had no idea what forensic accounting was. I was a sophomore. I had only had my first principles course So I really had no business looking for an internship. Why not? So I went out for it and I was lucky enough to be selected as an intern. And I was learning as I was working. I specifically remember all of the acronyms that were being thrown around and I just had no clue what they were saying. (laughs) And it was such a good place for me to learn and they were so good to me while I was in school, especially because when you enter the workplace as a professional, you set your boundaries. And so I was able to study during low periods and I was able to ask my mentors their questions as I was going through school and trying to decide which path I wanted to take. It was through my experience as an intern and specifically a forensic intern that kept me on the path in accounting as I entered my master's program, I started to get a little nervous about sticking with forensic accounting after college because in education right now, they really have two well defined paths and then this third sort of other. And those two well defined paths are audit and tech. So that's what I was hearing about when I was in school. That's what my peers were selecting from. And so I thought I at least have to give these a try before I finish school. And so I actually left that forensic internship and went and did a tax internship. And then I actually also did an audit internship. I'm so grateful that I was given those opportunities in college to learn and test out things that I thought I might like, but I wasn't sure because it made me feel super, super confident in specializing right out of college. So I actually accepted a full-time offer with that firm that gave me the opportunity early on and then worked for them as a staff accountant for a few years.
0: Amazing. A couple of things I just wanna reinforce about what you shared. It doesn't have to be a linear journey, right? You don't have to pick one destination and keep moving that way. You can move and make changes i love that you had exposure to work experience while you were doing your education work super helpful and i love that you chose to look at a couple of different things just to evaluate let me see what's out there so i can really
1: make sure i understand what the best fit is absolutely i think something that is really challenging for students is how many decisions they have to make when they are typically in their early 20s, not settled, and you really just don't know. So a lot of students that I speak with at the University of North Texas, the common question I get is, hey, I'm not a traditional tax prototype or an audit prototype. And how do I pick? And what if I might be interested in forensic accounting? What then? And the thing that I always encourage those students to do is to look for opportunities in the field to go and test out those education paths because what you'll find is that the work is different than the classroom setting. And I think our educators do an amazing job getting us prepped, but they can't do everything. And when you start working and you get on your first case or your first project, it really gives you a good idea of what that future in the career will look like for you. Really insightful and great
0: advice for folks that are considering down this path. The other thing we might wanna share is the fact that everybody's willing to share their own experience. And I know sometimes not everybody likes to ask, But getting connected with some professionals and just saying, tell me a little bit more about what you do. What is your experience like? What is your job? Helps give you a little bit of perspective beyond the classroom as well.
1: So we're all human and we love to talk about ourselves. (laughs) So if you're a student right now and you are thinking, I've never even heard of forensic accounting before, or you're thinking, oh, I never thought to just ask professionals in the field, I want to encourage you to reach out in your network, go to your LinkedIn or go to your professor and say, who can I talk to in this space? And Jodian, when I tell you the amount of students that the UNT accounting chair sends my way because they come and they say, hey, I'm interested in forensic. Who can I talk to about this? And they, it's as easy as an email, right? And the professionals in our field, CPAs are some of the most thoughtful, hardworking professionals there are. And we've been in your shoes, right? We've been a student. We've been a CPA candidate. So we are all so willing to give back to this profession and help nurture and mentor those that are coming up behind us. That's excellent advice. Just reach out, just put a hand out, and you'd be surprised who will give you some advice and wisdom.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is such a, a giving group of people that are engaged and involved. Let's talk a little bit, Katie, about that licensure journey that you had. You opened up our segment here just talking about you know what, I want to talk about all the experiences that I had, I want to share them, I want to give that perspective to somebody else. And the first time I went out and sat for a section, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So tell us a little bit more about what led you to the decision to pursue licensure, and then what were some of those critical junctures along the way that you had to face?
1: Yeah, so the way that the CPA license was presented to me when I was in college was as the final capstone to my education and sort of the reason why I stayed and got my master's degree. At the time, you needed 150 hours in order to sit for the CPA exam. So I would say early on, it was shown to me that this was the capstone. One thing that I did that I've heard other professionals say makes this process extremely challenging, but a lot of us do it, is i waited to start studying and i graduated and was ecstatic to start my life right to start working and earning and having free time which when you're an accounting student you're already staying an additional year over your peers in other majors usually so for me i let myself out of the academic hustle And I let myself just be a young professional. And it wasn't until on LinkedIn, I saw all the people I graduated with passing all four sections of the CPA exam that I started to go, oh no, I'm behind. (laughs) And so I decided softly at first, okay, I'll just try to start studying a little bit here and there and just start to try to get this done. I remember this really pivotal moment before my very first exam when I looked at what I still had left. Most CPAs start with some kind of a review program and you start studying. And a lot of these programs are excellent and they have planning tools in place that help you schedule out. If you tell them how many hours a week you want to study, it tells you, okay, then you'll be ready in three months or six months to schedule your exam. I remember I was a week away from my exam and I had more hours left in that study program than there was in the week. And I started to freak out and really thought about dropping the exam. But my gut told me, you got to just get this first one over with, just get it done, see what you can do with what you have. Maybe you'll pass, right? So I sit and I did not feel good about the exam at all. And I think you had to wait maybe six weeks to get your score. So in six weeks, I get my score. I got a 74, which wow. for those of you, that was audible honorable noise on my end. And she's going to tell you why. For those of you who haven't started studying for the CPA exams yet, you need a 75 to pass. Okay. Getting a 74 is rough. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You just, you were like, oh, I was so close. The CPA exams felt like this mountain to me. And when I got that first score, I felt like I had been pushed all the way back to the bottom of the mountain. And then it's so exciting when you're starting this process, especially when you're working with other professionals. I had told everyone at my firm that I was sitting And of course, everyone files in because they know the score are being released and I had to tell everyone I didn't pass. And I started to see the doubt that was behind some people's eyes. And I remember that hurt because I still had this little fighter in me that was like, you can do this. But doubt is very powerful. And after that experience, I remember what weighed the most on me was just the quantity of material that I would have to learn to sit for any of the sections. I realized at that time, studying a tiny bit a week was not going to do it. I needed to fully immerse myself, fully get on board with, okay, CPA exams, this is the goal. This is number one right now. I think it's important to pause at this point and say if you are a professional with a family, it is a full family process. Everyone has to be on board. And so at the time, I was living with family. So it was a conversation that I had to have with my family of, guys, I'm studying, no distractions. I may not be. As involved, right, whenever we all want to do family dinners, I might have to skip it so I can study. And then it was also for me about getting the resources that I needed. I managed to go five years through college and never have to really push myself and try a new study method. What worked for me in high school worked for me in college. And I'm here to tell you that the CPA exam is just another beast. Like it's so much material and you need it all at the front of your brain when you go to sit. So I actually invested in a supplemental study program. It's called Super Fast CPA. And the person who created that basically becomes your coach. And he says, hey, if you've struggled to pass using the traditional methods, try my way and see if it helps. And it's just this really intense way to study. I was so broken at that point. I didn't know where to go next. I didn't know how to study it. I didn't know what the next step was for me. So I just took this like a sponge. I was like, this is what this person says, I'm gonna do it. Let me ask you a question. So you had the, you went through the
0: first exam, didn't go where where you needed to be and you felt like it pushed you back down. And sometimes when that happens, people question and they do have that doubt and they say, maybe this isn't right for me, but you didn't do that. You found your way to say, I'm going to get more focused. That conversation that you had with your family, great idea there. What else was pivotal in saying, no, I'm going to push through and I'm going to make this happen?
1: So for me, one thing that helped was... I had to tell myself that if the people that I graduated with were able to get it done, I could get it done. Awesome. And I got very serious about doing whatever I needed to do. And it did not have to make sense to anybody else but me. I am a creative person. And I went home and I created a vision board. And I put CPA right in the middle And I hung that in my office, and you better believe everyone who saw it thought it was funny, but it was something that I looked at every single day, and I really believe that it helped reinforce what I was working so hard for. So I also grabbed one of my business cards, and I wrote in pencil, Katie Brown, CPA, and I taped it to my desktop computer, and... I was like, that's the goal. That's what we're here for. <laughs> that's what we're doing. That's amazing. So
0: basically the story that you told is you reevaluated got really super focused and said, this is what I want. But you also learned through that process that a couple things, you learned that the traditional study methods or support programs that were out there weren't the best fit for you. And that's okay. They work for lots and lots of people, but it wasn't the best fit for you. And even though you have already completed 150 hours of college and graduate level education, you had to come up with a different way to study to get this done. That is absolutely true, Jodi-Ann. And you found a, a resource that you told me about that I have never heard about. So I was happy to have you share that. And it's you. I think everybody has to explore a little bit and understand what their own styles are and things like that and how to proceed. From that point, when you made this change and you got laser focused, how long did it take you from there to go through the next
1: sections of the exam? Using the methods that the study program laid out, I was able to get all four sections passed in six months. Amazing. Very impressive. Thank you. It
0: was extremely challenging. I bet it was, but you knew what you were there for. So you had said a little bit earlier that you had gone through and finished all of your education, let yourself be a young professional before you started work on the exam. So let's just clarify for those folks that are listening that might not know, in Texas as of this fall, you can start sitting for the CPA exam after you've reached 120 hours of college credits and 21 hours of upper level accounting. So before you had to have 150 hours completed before you can begin sitting for the exam. So lots of States allow that where we were actually a little late to the game here in Texas on that, but we made that change. And I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts or perspective, and if you knowing what you know now could go back and do it again, what changes would you make or what advice would you give to the next person going through the process?
1: Knowing what I know now, And just as a side note, I think this is an excellent change to the program. Knowing what I know now, I would have started testing after the 120 hours were met, which if you say nothing else changes in my educational journey, what that means is that when I'm starting my master's program, I'm also actively studying and sitting for the CPA exam at the exact same time. I think that makes sense because it is so hard when you allow yourself to snap out of college mode to get back in. And there's also, you don't realize when you're in college, but you have a lot of pockets of time that you can really utilize to study. That when you're a professional and you're meeting client deadlines, You might have months where you can't even touch your review materials. And that can add a bunch of pressure to get things passed or to pick up a textbook after you've gone through a busy season, which is extremely challenging. So I remember going through my master's program and there were people who were proactively studying, even though they weren't going to be able to sit till they got their 150 hours. And I remember it was one or two of them. And looking back, I think that they were really smart and ahead of the curve on that. Because if you get nothing else from today's program, it's like, just make it a goal to sit for one exam. I think that tells you so much about yourself and about what is going to be needed to get to the CPA license. And I think if I would have at least... In my master's program, knowing what I know now and having the changes, if I could at least get one section sat for during my master's program, I would know what would be required of me and I could not put it aside for 18 months. Awesome. Yeah,
0: that's really good advice. And one of the things I'll just throw a little resource in there. One of the things that we do is we partner with one of the exam review providers to do some mock CPA exams, and so you actually get the experience of sitting through a four-hour section, so you understand what that's and hopefully give you a little bit of perspective and maybe calm the nerves a little bit before you actually get to a testing center and have to do it. The other thing I want to ask you, Katie, is the licensure process itself is confusing, and the rules to me are a little bit wonky and hard to follow. So what was the best thing that was a resource for you in staying up to date in what you had to do when? Like where you had to submit the application and when did I have to do all the things that you have to do? Notice to schedule, to sit for the exam, all those details. How did you keep up to date on all those pieces of the puzzle?
1: I was lucky enough to have a... Representative from Becker. Becker is a review material company. They get CPAs ready to sit for the CPA exam. And she came and she spoke to our class and completely did a CPA exam prep course. And if you don't have that option at your university or you haven't heard of anything like that, one thing that's really important to understand about the CPA exam is there's a lot of moving parts. It's not just about sitting and taking an exam the process of being able to sit and take the exam is you have to apply to your state and be approved so they have to look through all your transcripts for me i remember i had to give some fingerprinting all of this has to be done prior to you being able to schedule your first exam and then once you're approved when you go to schedule, you can't show up the next day and take the exam. You have to actually get a notice to schedule and that's a whole application process as well. And then I would just say, most universities have sort of a, it may not be a class, it might be more of a evening presentation where some organization goes over that process. Don't skip that presentation because it's important to understand the timing of all this because when you go to sit, you don't want there to be any lag in time where that information that's on your brain might go away (laughs) whenever you're actually sitting. Do you want to just be very prepared, very organized as you're going through this process and that is going to help you make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row and you're not losing anything just because you were not organized.
0: Awesome, start early, ask good questions. One of the reasons why TXCPA was so actively engaged in pushing for this legislation to allow candidates to sit early is because the data is very clear. The results and the pass rates are higher when you are a bit younger because you're closer to your education. So the data really spoke to us about why this was such an important change. So I have an interesting question I think for you, and you've been a practicing professional for a number of years now. How do people perceive you as a CPA? When you talk to folks and you tell them what you do, what's the general perception? And what do you think that we, as those that support the profession, need to be working on as far as the image of CPA?
1: That's a really good question. I would say that my answer is highly influenced by the fact that I'm a forensic accountant. So CPA to someone that I meet, let's say a dinner party, they automatically think taxes, bookkeeping. And when I was younger, I used to always correct people. No, I'm not a tax accountant. I am a forensic accountant. Now I chuckle and I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm everything, right? But as far as perception goes, when you actually dig into maybe some more complicated type of work that you get into as a professional, as a CPA, having your CPA license and being recognized by other professionals in other industries as a CPA is extremely meaningful and impactful. One way that I've seen it be meaningful and impactful in my lifetime has been in the courtroom. So when you are a forensic accountant and you're doing work and it leads to litigation, so you are entering a courtroom and you are opining on the matter at hand as a forensic expert, the very first thing that the opposing counsel is going to try to do is say that you are not credible and that your entire testimony should be withdrawn. When you are a CPA... It is extremely hard for opposing counsel to say you are not credible. The only reason that is the case is because of the public's perception of what CPA needs. So, because you don't actually have to be a CPA to be a forensic expert, I have seen firsthand that those who are not have to take extra steps in proving their credibility to the court. Whereas these three letters flashed on a slide is enough for the judge to admit our testimony. So that's been my experience. So credibility,
0: it was so well said and a perfect example. Thank you so much for sharing it. So not only did you get your CPA license though, so because you are really focused on forensics, you also in 22 received your CFF, Certified Financial and Forensics Certification. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit what led you to that, and why you wanted to add that specialization into your credentials as well.
1: I think it's important to mention here that adding additional credentials is not going to be as powerful as the CPA. So students who are interested in other fields, let's say forensic accounting, there's no bypassing the CPA. That's the most impactful, the most powerful credential. I am about 10 years into my career. And so I have the experience in order to become credentialed if I were to pass other credentialing exams in my field. So for me, it was a decision with my team to have me study again and sit for the CFF exam. In order to get that credential and the reason why is because i had the experience already and so it was a credential that could add to my credibility in the forensic space specifically in the financial forensic space and it was something that i could immediately get credentialed on because i had the thousand hours of professional experience
0: awesome that's a great story and i think a really great way for people to think about it we're in an age where Lifelong learning has to be table stakes, if you will. That's just incredibly important for all of us to continue to grow as professionals. Just a couple more things. So I wanted to make sure that people knew that starting this month, January of 24, there is a new CPA exam and it's called CPA Evolution was the process. It's still a four part exam. It's still approximately four hours per section, but there's three sections that everybody takes. And then there's a discipline section and there's three choices in the discipline and you get to choose which discipline you want to sit for. But one of the things that is very instrumental in this change was the technology components that are embedded in every single part of the CPA exam, more so than they ever have been before. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about your perspective on how the field is changing and the reliance and the leadership in technology in how that enables the work?
1: That's a really good question. And full disclaimer, the CP exam changing means that I'm now a dinosaur because <laughs> the exam has changed. So now nobody knows what it was like when I was sitting. I think as a profession, we are moving into this space where we are really needing technology solutions And also, we need our staff to be comfortable with technology that we utilize day-to-day. For example, incoming staff absolutely need to understand how to use Excel. That is critical. There are also some other technology programs that most firms use that if you struggle to pick up the basic concepts and if interfacing with technology is a challenge for you, it would be almost impossible to integrate you into the firm. I think that this move with the CPA exam really reflects that. And now being on the other side, being a CPA, I appreciate that the exam makers are trying to keep our CPAs relevant for the types of challenges that we are actually facing in the field. And I think it's really cool to give CPA candidates the option to specialize and to use some strategy there, right? Do you pick an exam that you think you can definitely pass? Do you pick an exam that seems difficult just because you like the challenge? I've heard people say both. So I think it's going to be a really cool option for CPA candidates to be able to select something that might be meaningful to them to test on. I'm interested and fascinated and curious to see what this means for the workplace in the future, but that's all I'll say for now. I agree. We're excited to have folks starting to take
0: the exam, getting the results back, really help understanding that there are technologists that we really want to welcome and include into the CPA profession as well, because those skills are so critical to the work of the profession moving forward. One of the things I'd like to ask for you, you you shared a really interesting resource that worked for you and really helped you in your journey. Are there any other resources or tips that you want to share that you think were really valuable for you?
1: I shared about creating a vision board and some sort of visual element. I think that's really important. I also think it's important to, if you're struggling, surround yourself with support and it's really important that students understand what that means because it means something different to everyone. And what I have found just being a professional now who talks about these things is there are some creators and specifically some LinkedIn creators that I think do a really good job talking about the CPA exam changes and encouraging students who are going through the process. So I'm going to shout some of them out if that's okay. Absolutely. Megan Lefczyk, she's a CPA, she's a CMA. She is on LinkedIn and she demystifies technical accounting and creates relatable content about emerging technology. She is an excellent follow. I also want to shout out Jacob Garro. He is a tax accountant. He's a neighbor. So I'm in Dallas. He is East Texas. He's a neighbor and he is currently going through the CPA exam process on his own. He is a tax accountant and he is an excellent follow on LinkedIn. His content is very relatable, very authentic, and down to earth. And then Blake Carroll, he's a CPA and he actually works at PwC on their people team. Majority of his posts are about the CPA exam. He even does CPA exam live Q and a events. So that's a really great resource for students to log on. It's completely free and you just join and you can ask him all of your questions. And then if you're a podcast fan, which I'm hoping if you're listening to this, means you are, you should definitely give Accounting Twins podcast a follow. So Accounting Twins podcast follows Becky and Norma Seiger on their different journeys into private and public accounting industries. These two young ladies started their podcast in college. One of them decides to go private and one of them decides to go public. And I just think they have really a nice perspective on the process. And they're very open about what they're doing, the resources they're using, the books they're reading, and they're women to watch for the future of this field. And so that's just a plug. I think that covers the gamut of what I see and the types of creators that I engage with. And I think they're promoting positivity and just doing a really great job in the field. Katie, I have so enjoyed this.
0: Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you for finding your voice in this space and being willing to share it with the next generation of professionals and CPAs. It is a gift that you're giving back to the profession, and we're very grateful.
1: Thank you, Jodianne. And I appreciate this podcast, and I hope that this helps. If this podcast helps even one student on their process to becoming a CPA, This is a freaking win, and I just appreciate you guys.
0: Thank you, and I'm completely with you there. And thanks to everyone listening to this first episode of Destination CPA. Join us each month as we continue our conversation, focusing on and highlighting leading voices across the profession, sharing insights and navigation tips for those on the path to CPA license. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For more information about TXCPA, the Texas Society of CPAs, check us out at tx.cpa and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.